0: Welcome to the sound design show this is the show where we talk about all aspects of sound design we talk about waveforms filters even presets I am Steve Cherubino from EDMR.com. thanks for joining us and as always my co-host the man who brings the goods sound design master himself seamless is joining us so uh, what's going on seamless hi how you doing I'm all right I'm doing pretty good how are things. Things are beautiful here. I told you before the show, Florida is where it's at. It's heaven on earth.
1: We have a minor disagreement about the worth of Florida, but <laughs> I'll I'll take that. I'll take that for now.
0: Okay, good. So uh,
1: what are we talking about today? Well, I did want to talk about presets. presets. I do want to talk about sort of using them and a lot of the kind of like controversy there is for having used them. I suppose also on top of that, we could talk about sort of using sample packs and perhaps not necessarily doing all the work in creating a track, and especially doing one's own sound design, which some people may think is required to be a professional producer. I see. All right. Start us off. So early on in my own career, I used presets a lot, which didn't really mean a lot to a lot of people, but just because nobody's heard the music. That used a lot of those presets, but even even as uh, late as sort of my early earliest tracks, anybody anybody knows about like Base Antics and Menagerie, whatever. I didn't quite have the handle on synthesis that I do now. That would mean that, that as I do now, where I, I basically endeavor to make everything I can for, my, for myself from scratch. Um, and those are those are the tracks that kind of like launched my popular my current popularity and are often sort of heralded as sort of examples of, like, you could do all this yourself using FL that kind of thing. Right. Even though I didn't actually do all of that in there. I used plenty of, like, actual, like, Harmer presets and that kind of thing.
0: Interesting. Because... <laughs> so yeah. you became known for sound design and, and your music from songs that weren't necessarily your own sound design. True facts. Wow.
1: I had a lot of... I mean, back then, my main focus was... Like on harmor resampling and stuff like that, but then also like FM, but just actual like harmor synthesis. I didn't really have, I didn't really have down. Gotcha. So things like leads and some pads and stuff like that are still just like presets. And in the original bass antics, I even used a uh, a toxic biohazard preset, and it used to be a bit of a joke back then because I used to I used to say that I wasn't of of all the sound design that I was good at, I was not good at supersaws. Which, if you remember from our earlier uh, shows, I spout as being like the most basic and integral part of sound design there is.
0: Yeah, but what, wasn't it because you weren't sure if, how they got modulated, and then we just then you discovered it was because a phase.
1: I had I had a basic idea down of how they work, but I couldn't. I, I really wasn't able to do like a quote unquote pro level of like usage on them, gotcha. and that's really kind of the crux of the crux of it. The idea, this, this idea of, like, the pro-level usage of sound design. These days, we the presets and sample packs and things like Nexus um, are so much more widespread than they've ever, they, they've ever been to the point where it, it is pretty indistinguishable from, like, the quote-unquote professional works. And it's mostly because those professionals, those, like, million, hundred million-dollar touring people use those right that's what they're using to make their tracks and a lot of people think less of them for it and you can if you want and there's a certain amount of sort of validity to doing so especially in certain genres that are sort of defined by the sound design so it's just kind of like if you're not doing that then uh what's the point but um on the other hand i want to tell you a story a story of elitism (laughs) and ultimate sadness wow sounds dramatic yeah, so I don't remember when this happened, but do you remember the movie the the the, the new Evil Dead movie? How new? Uh, not not the TV show. There was a TV show or something like that, but it was a it was just a literal redo of the Evil Dead. Oh, um, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, oh, I haven't seen it either. But I, there was there were trailers for it because it was a big big deal, and in the trailer for this, like, triple A, super blockbuster, top-end Hollywood movie, the, it it, being a horror movie, sort of one of the things that horror movies like to do is they like to, like, have in the trailer, like, they find, like, a sound that sounds creepy and scary, and they, like, repeat it over and over again. And the sound they chose was a naked factory massive preset. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And I heard that, and I just got so mad I got so unbelievably angry. And I can this this particular kind of angry is a very relatable angry. And this is why this like the reasons why I was mad or the reasons why people are mad when they find out things like Urmigurd, Zomboids uses samples in all the songs. You're like, this guy uses this guy's samples. And like these are just virtual riot samples, which are used a lot in modern like brosteppy stuff. And the it's the feeling, it's not it's the feeling that like if they're using presets and they're and they're not like actually doing what people perceive as being like professional level sound design work then what's the difference between those super pro high level producers and me me being fictitious unknown producer guy okay and that's like the that's the feel like the fear of being like oh i'm not i'm not famous because i'm not you know, pro level, good. I'm not good enough for what I do, so I just gotta get better. These guys obviously know everything; they're they're super good. That's why they're better. This is like this is actually a, a fallacy people think about about pretty much every profession until they realize that that's not how the world works.
0: I see. So, the, are you basically heading towards a moral of the story and basically saying presets are okay?
1: I think we, I, I I think presets are okay. I used to think that presets used to be you know bullshit, but that was from a place of extraordinary personal opinion and just sort of butthurt about people being like having the jobs that i wanted and i used to think that that people only got there for like their ability to do things but the thing is is that that's still kind of true and the example of the evil dead trailer actually makes a lot of sense so like what happened was i actually um I showed this off to the guys at Image Line just being like, oh my God, look at this trailer. It's like, this is so bad. The people like professionally using like super presets or whatever. And like, I was expecting them all to kind of be on my side about it. I was expecting them to just like, to, to think it was funny and maybe post about it or something like that because that's so sort of something that I thought they would have done. But it came back being like, yeah, so. <laughs> and it sort of, revealed a couple things to me that I probably would have known to be true had they been pointed out, but I never really thought about. The first was that regular music listeners do not care. Exactly. They can't care. <laughs> they they are literally incapable of understanding enough about music production to know what a preset even is. I mean, you can, you can explain it, to them. it's not a difficult concept, but like, without having done so, they don't have a concept of it. They just don't understand. And as a result, when they hear stuff like that, they don't hear everything that we do. They don't hear the magic behind the trick. They don't know that it's a massive preset. They don't know that whoever made that did no work to make it.
0: Exactly. Case in point, American Idol winner. I can't remember who his name was probably like 10 years ago or whatever. His hit song, his first hit song was an Apple loop. That was the the hook. Yeah. I knew that. People maybe who use GarageBand knew that. But 99.9% of the population either didn't know or didn't care.
1: They definitely don't know. They definitely don't care a lot more than producers, and this is something that's very specific to a- anyone who is like a doer of a craft. That when you go and you look at like the commercial version of that craft, that you 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 know how the sausage is made. So you're you're all about you know the technical quality, but no one else is. And yeah. the, the amount of people who are producers, well, it seems like a lot because you probably spend all your time, you know, on the internet around producers. It's an extremely niche population. It's yep. a very small number of people who have any idea about any of this stuff. Um, I agree. So it's actually not like commercially viable to do that amount of work for something like a trailer, which is the second point. The idea that who the guy, the producer, the dude who made that Evil Dead trailer was actually very good at his job for not having spent too much time on it. <laughs> for making efficient use of his time, which actually, like, I've come to realize about places like Hollywood, it's pretty much all they care about. They want, they get the absolute most bang for their buck and for the most part don't really care about, like, redeeming artistry unless it's some, like, hugely specific thing about artistry or they're using a guy who's, like, known for a particular thing so they kind of let him do what he wants. But for trailers, for Evil Dead remake, they don't give a shit. Right. They want, they're going to pay somebody to be like as efficient and quick and just like good enough as possible. And to that end, just using well picked, well placed presets is the smart play. And I mean, maybe you could have been a little bit better about not using like the most obvious preset in the universe, but uh, still, even having done that, no one knows that but producers.
0: I get what you're saying and I'm I'm trying to have a little debate in my mind as you're talking about whether it's being lazy or not.
1: Uh well, on one hand, you could think of it as being like self-indulgent to sort of think that you need to make everything from scratch. Like if you're doing your own personal works or whatever, then you, your standards are your standards and that's the end of that, but if you're working for someone else, that it seems like kind of a waste of their time to make everything from scratch.
0: Right, but it, it also says something about who they hired too. I mean, they they yeah. might have hired a guy who's maybe not that's not his, his type of thing. So he just grabbed did grab a preset. Whereas if they hired you, you know what I mean. It's it's just as efficient for them to hire you. But you,
1: it, yeah, it would it would have been just as efficient for them to hire. Like I mean, I, I I don't necessarily know that per exactly just because for all I know the guy that made that that trailer actually is like a, a super genius and for you know d- using a preset just meant that it took him literally a minute to make that track, but. Um, actually, I have a weird comparison to this. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about helicopter logging. I don't. Uh, what I mean uh, in in logging, like uh, trees and wood, and whatever. When you uh, sometimes like, big enough scale, they bring in helicopters to move bundles of wood from the forest to like a train or a truck or something.
0: Okay.
1: And there's actually uh, videos out there. Um, of helicopter pilots doing in, insane-looking things with the, the logs, like using physics at t- and speed to the utmost what well, looks like unbelievably dangerous things to move logs stupidly fast, <laughs> and like people who look at this think, "Oh, he's just showing off. He's just being, you know, he's just doing the height of his skill." Just because, why not? But um, if you if you actually look at like the comments and like the reports and people who are like professional helicopter helicopter pilots they'll tell you that this is normal, that you have to do that kind of crap because helicoptering, and for this particular purpose, is stupidly expensive. Okay. Like the fuel costs and the hourly rates are things like 10 grand an hour to do this kind of thing. Okay. So to be competitive, helicopter pilots are like, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I cost you know, 15, 20 grand an hour, but I can get this done in half an hour. I see. I can, do, I can be stupidly fast. And they're the ones that get hired and that's just how competition works, obviously. So you could think about that as being kind of like in, in the Hollywood world, where like you're gonna they want someone to make a trailer and they want it done. Oh my God, the deadlines for these things are just incredible. Like how fast these things get pumped out, which for better or worse, is kind of like the name of the game. So the idea that somebody could deliver something that's fine, not necessarily the best and most amazing thing in the universe, but that's fine, fast enough, is more valuable than the actual product itself. I see, that which is sense. very, very kind of a unique to specifically kind of working for someone else like that. You know what I mean? Yes. Which is why I said like if it's for your own, you know, personal thing or whatever, then by all means. And uh, I made a video about this a while ago. I like, called the value of, the value of effort, where, like, if you have to explain to somebody that like, oh, my song is better because I didn't use presets. Then your song's not actually better. <laughs> if the, if like, you know, they weren't they're not able to sort of detect the extra effort, then that act, that extra effort was a hundred percent wasted. I see. Unless it's just for yourself. Like I that's that's fully the only reason why I, I do things the way I do. Actually, more recently, I, I'm starting to like understand the value of making everything myself because like legally speaking, I don't really have to worry about licensing it or anything for like right. showing it on videos or selling projects or whatever. Right. But like even outside of that, the idea that I make everything my, for myself is purely for my own like selfish desires to do so. Has nothing to do with a perceived value that there is just better because it's probably factually not better.
0: Right. I mean you, you have to figure they probably have some pretty badass sound designers making the presets. So true. what makes presets inferior? <laughs>
1: The, the only thing on the like real, like the only thing that, that the stigma around presets is this idea of effort. The idea that people didn't work as hard on their tracks as like, maybe I did or someone else did on their tracks. And thus they get butthurt because they're just like, wow, they got to where I got, but with like half the effort. It's true.
0: But then, you know, you look at somebody like Justin Bieber doesn't write any of his own music. Doesn't write the song that probably doesn't write the lyrics, but just sings it. And he's the star. You know, it's, take, it's taking what you're saying basically to an extreme level, but you, you could go that far where a person does, does almost nothing.
1: Anybody anybody at that level is like that, though. Like, you don't, you do not get that big by making everything yourself. Like, there are extraordinarily few exceptions to that rule.
0: But the people that do are honestly, to me, and I guess I might be the exception, they're the people I respect the most.
1: Oh, like, yeah, me, me too. Like, I'm all about, I'm all about people like Skrillex and like that, just exactly. because... They get that big by doing what they do, and what they do is freaking sweet. And that's totally fine, but it's rare, I, I, so much so that I can't think of anybody who's Justin Bieber big, who does everything themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's big and all, but not Justin Bieber big. You're right.
0: You're right. I'd have to think about it a while. Did you ever hear of the band Boston? You know Boston? Yeah. Tom Schultz is a lead guitarist that he wrote all the music and... They recorded it basically in his basement when his the first album, and on top of that, he built the friggin' gear to make his guitar sound. Mm. Now a guy like that, huge respect. But
1: I don't know. And and we're producers, so we're we're gonna respect that kind of thing. Like that's 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 what that is. And honestly, like this is the kind of thing that creates whole genres of music that people describe as being like music for musicians or, like, music for producers. Like, right. most of, like, the deepest, darkest, like, super neuro, like, drum and bass kind of stuff are tracks that very rarely appeal to, like, non-producers. And then there's genres like style, where, like, literally everybody who listens to it is also a producer.
0: Yeah, he's a good point. That's a good point.
1: Because, like, quote-unquote, regular music listeners rarely approach that sort of thing. And people do, obviously. Like, that's, that's totally true. But, I mean... There's no competition between that and like your your average Justin Bieber song or like a Nicki Minaj track or something like that. Right, right. And that all of that has everything to do with just like marketing. It has nothing to do with actually making the music. Like here, so think about this: is that like electronic music is is one is is a type of music that gets like, disproportionate amount of hate for not having done everything yourself right. to an incredible degree, mostly because you can. But think about, like, other genres of, like, popular music, like, that you mentioned Boston. Like, he makes his own gear and whatever, but, like, what other bands, like, build their guitars to make their their tones or, like, build their own amps and that kind of crap? That's, in, in fact, most bands, most rock and metal bands have a sound, and they sound the same forever. Right. That's just their sound now. It's true. And, Every song is like expected to be the same. It's expected to have that same sound and that same tone that defines who they are. Exactly.
0: And if you and, actually think about like an acoustic guitar and the sound that comes out of it, that's a preset and there's only one. And that's what that your guitar sounds like, you know?
1: True. Like you, you can make you can have some variants and some things on like, you know, how big it is and the wood you used to made and when the strings and that kind of crap. But like you don't have the kind of control you have over it when you when you're doing things like building a super song or something, or making a crazy, you know, kill the noise base, or whatever. Right. And, so, like, those genres never get any crap for essentially being as homogenous as possible. But, like, the electronic music does. But I, I guess it's also worth pointing out that it's pretty much only producers that give a crap. Still. Like, again, you don't ever hear regular fans being like, oh, the presets. Or even, like, I personally get weirded out when I hear like, the same sound in more than one song, like Kill the Noise is particularly, uh, and I guess also Skrillex is kind of like true about this. And, and they're in their like 2012 epics that they both did. A lot of those, a lot of those songs all had like the identical sound. Right. Right. And it was a very impressive sound, but it was the same sound. Hmm. So the idea that like, you know, whatever effort they made to use, to make that one song was sort of multiplied and spread out to be different songs. And like nobody gave them crap for that. <laughs> No, I mean nobody did that. But I feel like like and, and now, whenever I'm doing like a track from scratch or whatever on like live streams and I use and I use chords of any kind, people are just being like, Oh, you're just doing sometime again. <laughs> and I'm like, uh
0: every time you use a chord.
1: Yeah, just like I make a supersaw and I make like a E minor chord or whatever. They're just kind of like, ah, oh, it's sometime too. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> like sometime. <laughs> Just because it's like, a, you know, that's that, that, that sound.
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying. So what, and, what to do?
1: Uh, well, what to do, like personally, for this whole thing, I really think people should just get away from caring about presets. That they should really just, I mean, if they personally, for their own works, want to go the hard way, because boy, is never ever the hard way to make everything yourself, then that's their choice but they really shouldn't like look at anyone else's music less for having used presets, especially if you couldn't tell like without that them having told you, but you really got to try and listen. Like if you want like the real quote unquote value of their music, which boy, has there ever been anything more subjective in life, but like you have to try and listen to it from a perspective of someone who has, doesn't recognize any of this. Like another sort of parallel to all this is that, um, last year at some point for some awards uh, it was something I, don't, I forget but um, Pixar like put a thing in one of their movies saying that they hand animated everything and the difference being that they didn't use motion capture right. to animate their characters they, they actually just manually used computer animation to animate stuff um, and they perceived that as, as having made their movie more valuable because it's harder and versus, like, some DreamWorks movie that used motion, motion capture to animate characters. And, like, at first I was just kind of like, oh, wow, it's really, it's a lot they're doing it themselves, that kind of thing. But then, like, other people very rightly pointed out that if they have to tell people that, then was there really a value? Like, if you're not able to notice a difference between hand animation versus motion capture animation, then where does the value lie in having done that?
0: Well, he, here's the thing. It impressed you, right? So, uh, along with the general population who doesn't care, now they're getting the people who do care too. So it might be it might give it a little advantage. If you think about
1: it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of that. Like, you know, if if um you know I hear a kick-ass song and someone's like, "I made everything with like a kick sample," then I'm gonna be like, "Wow, damn!" And
0: you're probably listening to it again.
1: Yeah, I'll listen to it again. I'll be I'll be impressed by it. But like that information is only relevant to such a tiny percentage of people. Right. Right. It's. And I, again, this all comes back to the sort of like the main, the people who buy music <laughs> don't care. Right. And in many ways are literally incapable of caring because they don't have the necessary technical know how to understand the, the true depth of how hard it is to do this kind of stuff.
0: I'm with you on that 100%. Now, when we get into presets versus loops, to me, that's a different story because now somebody's basically writing your music and I'm, I use loops but I use them as accents or where they fit and chop, or maybe I'll chop them up. So what's your take on loops then?
1: So this, to talk about loops, we got to talk about the whole world of just sampling. And we have to sort of recognize that whole genres of music exist because of sampling, most notably hip hop. And like all of the, the greatest, biggest hits of hip hop are songs that used samples, essentially. Parts of songs that they fully didn't make themselves. Right. And, like, were public domain because they're so goddamn old. But it's... Or even not. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes even not. Like, there's actually plenty of fully, you know, terribly important legal cases where people were kind of brought to court for sampling stuff. Like the Led Zeppelin break.
0: Oh, yeah. That kind it. of... And tons, that kind of stuff. Tons of it's things.
1: Big, it's big. A, it's a deal. It's a problem. It's a whole thing. But like, as far as on the like creative, the creative side of stuff, like if, if you're gonna use a stable pack that has like, because I mean, every nobody nobody has ever cared about anybody who uses like a drum loop. That's always been like, well, sure, drums. That's fine. Right. But they some a problem might come ra- come across from using things like a, like a like you like probably mentioned like an actual like a, a melodic thing like a a chord or a sequence of a lead or a bass sounds even. And I kind of view that about the same as using a preset because it's kind of like a preset that's just less versatile, you know, and as long as it's properly, um, you know, licensed because you bought a pack or whatever, then that's that's kind of just that. Really,
0: to me, it's like, okay, you're not writing the music then. If you're using a melodic loop, a preset's one thing because you can use a preset to write a loop, to write music. But when you get to the point where somebody's actually writing the notes and putting them in the order that they should be to make the melody, to me, I start. That's where you start to lose me.
1: And you know that's that's fine. Like if you, I can see why people would get up, get all kind of up in arms about that. But it's mostly it's just because the sort of the music that I'm, I'm like personally imagining being this to be being used for isn't terribly melodic in the first place. Right. So it's, it's not as if they're losing a whole lot of effort from doing that, but. I mean, you extrapolate this to genres that are, you know, very much more melodic and people are just taking like whole synth lines as being like, this is the thing that's the part of the song now. And like, I'm actually a pretty great test case for this because I have, I, I don't have sample packs. I have, the, the few that I have, I have because I worked on them and they just gave me the pack. Like I have, <laughs> to call them out, I have um, Black Octopus Sound Leviathan, which is a pretty big, big pack. And it's full of a lot of melodic loops and a lot of um, like sequenced sounds and loop- loops like that. Um, I have a whole lot of cymatic stuff just because they're doing, they're, they're doing advertising on my channel, that kind of thing. And uh, I have that one pack from Break Tweaker, which is a huge amount of just one shots. There's, there's not a lot of musical stuff in there. And actually most of the musical things that are in there are mine. <laughs> and, and so you like, have
0: three packs.
1: Yeah, so I have like I'm sure I have other crap that I have I found over time, but like those are like the packs I have. Like I've never used a vengeance pack. I don't know what any of the vengeance stuff sounds like. <laughs> I have not a single clue. And so this like this for me, like when I hear a song, I cannot pick out samples. I have I am like fully blind when it comes to samples. So like I have, I have about as much understanding of them in someone else's song as like a regular music listener would. Right. To that end, I have never found a song and it's been like, there's something weirdly like fake sounding about this. <laughs> so like, if they are, you know, quote unquote, cheating super hard by using essentially like song construction kits, which I know are a thing, and like arranging them to be a song, mm-hmm. then I, it, it it's... I don't notice, right? You know, unless I, someone tells me.
0: I love song construction kits. They're so funny to me. It's like it's like somebody gave you a little puzzle that has five pieces, and you're very happy when you put all the pieces together. So happy that you feel like it's your song. Hmm.
1: I just fully using a song construction kit. I will probably just sort of draw a line there and say that's that's pretty that's pretty skeezy. But like one of the reasons why. I have always been fine just like giving away all my presets that I ever make forever for anything is because I like I'm not worried about competition and a lot of people are a lot of producers are worried that like if they give away their secrets that like suddenly there'll be a whole bunch of clones of them <laughs> running around making music that like would devalue their music right but like even if you have the musical component because like, somebody made the samples and even if you have the samples even if you have the sounds and presets and all the stuff you still have to put it together in a way that makes it a compelling song. Right. Which you can't fake. And like maybe you can find a template, but even a template still won't do a really a good enough job. Totally. You have to like, it, it needs that personal touch of being mixed and put together and mastered in such a way that it actually still sounds like a track that people want to listen to. Right. And, and,
0: and, and it's never going to sound like you
1: either. Yeah. It's never going to sound like something that could compete.
0: Right. I'm glad you feel that way. I think it's... It's the way to be. It's you know if you hand Eddie Van Halen a, a ten dollar guitar, he's gonna play it like Eddie Van Halen.
1: So and he's still gonna kill it. Exactly. He's still gonna like exactly ruin ruin everyone's life. <laughs> but and you know vice versa. If, if Eddie Van Halen gave someone his guitar, that's not that's not gonna that's not gonna change shit. Exactly. Like so, e- even if someone, even if like you know Skrillex himself like came down and like gave some noob everything he has that noob isn't suddenly going to become Skrillex. <laughs> right. Like, it's not. So that's, that that kind of stuff, like, effort-wise, is why I'm not really worried about all the various cheats that exist for this kind of stuff. Right. And, uh, on the other hand, the other part about, uh, the other part about, like, one of the reasons why, I mean, I used to care. I, I preface that, like, for a very long time, I was very vocally opposed to presets and vocally opposed to, to using anything that made any of this easy. Like, I hated Nexus so much. I, mean, I don't necessarily hate it. I don't use it. I've never actually used it, but I don't I'm don't. i not like super duper against it anymore. Yeah. I used to like hate Massive for that reason. And it's, it's very, it's just really funny. Like, I just don't really care about that anymore because I understand that you can't like force the totality, the whole project. And that's because producing electronic music, especially if you're a solo act, means that you got to have a pretty good balance of not only like an artistic creative side, but also like a hard science engineering side, Mm -hmm. which is like two wholly different things. And it's like almost a little unfair to just force people to have to be good at both.
0: What made you come to this realization?
1: Well, mostly just the thing I talked about about the Evil Dead thing. Because like once it was pointed out that like I'm the only one who, who cares and that I'm the only one who's capable of caring relative to the rest of the world, that it's a whole lot of wasted energy. Yeah. And a lot of people also sort of like made sort of compelling arguments about like the science and engineering thing where like they are very musically inclined. They write songs all the time. They're very good songwriters, but they don't, they don't want to be good at sound design. Exactly. They don't want to have to like put in the hours to like learn a science to be able to make music. They just want to make music.
0: I'm kind of in that camp. It was hard enough for me to like learn how to mix all my stuff and like do learn how to EQ and do all the effects electronic music is tough.
1: It is. It is tough. And like no other genre of music is this hard. No. If only for like, you know, their typical rock and like you're Justin Bieber's or whatever, they have armies of people whose whole jobs are to do the individual things that a, a producer has to do all of. Totally. You know, I
0: mean, I saw the guy on Pensado's place. He's, he's Bieber's engineer. So.
1: Yeah. So like, you know, a rock band will have like a mixing engineer, a mastering engineer, recording technicians and like, operators and instrument techs and that kind of, you know, if you're, if you're big enough to have pay that, that, kind of, that kind of cash, which is why a lot of that stuff is usually prohibitively expensive, which is why electronic music is as sort of liberating as it is because like you are you can go as far as like your own like effort wants to go. But like as a result, though, it is a little exclusive just because a lot of people, they, they just want to like get a keyboard and like play kick-ass sounds, but they don't want to like they just they're they're just not wired to want to be the engineer, right? Right. To that end, and for that for those people, I'm fully fine. Like, that's why I like that presets exist. That's why I'm fine with Nexus being a thing, and putting out like super like on point like high quality current sound design that people could just put in the songs, and then turn them into magic because they're for whatever chops they don't have about sound design. They're like super good at arrangement and like knowing musicality and that kind of thing, Sure, which people say all the time that I don't have like for my own stuff. They're just being like, Oh, you're super good at engineering, but you don't have musicality. And like, I don't really care.
0: (laughs) You shouldn't care what they say, not whether it's true or not.
1: I mean, I don't even care if it is true. Like if that's, I mean, I've, I've said super, like a lot of times that like, if I could, I would make a whole album of songs that are just drops. (laughs) like forget intros forget breaks forget all that just drops forever because i don't care about like the the musical equivalent like the musical part of it i I really do focus on all the engineering that's all i've ever really cared about right and it's fortunate that my career is as such that i am able to just like make music the way i want to make it and not have to worry about the fact that some people aren't going to like it because it doesn't it doesn't it's not as musically inclined as maybe they would want their, I don't know, music to be. Right. But, um, so like uh, for that particular angle, I can kind of understand the impetus of like finding presets and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. It's good that you're presenting it this way because, you know, if you're not telling it like this, I I bet a lot of people would feel like they do have to just create other stuff from scratch. And I mean, you're the guy who makes sound. So for you to say this, I think it's going to put some people's minds at ease and just let them get down and making some music.
1: It's really, that's really all that's about. Like whatever you got to do to make the tracks that you want to make is the way that you do it. That's the right way of doing it. Like whatever makes the end result, provided you're not like stealing people's music, then you're pretty much in the clear. Yeah.
0: I want to make a song called Nexus that uses the Nexus preset. That's the first one that starts up every time you boot up Nexus. And
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man, like, you know, for all for all the all, all that all that everything I just said about like you know being an elitist prick and being all like you didn't make everything yourself and and being super butthurt when like people at like extremely enviable professional level jobs are like not putting in what you may expect a pro level of effort to be, I still kind of get miffed about that. Like you 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 joke about like the Nexus boot up sound, but uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Omnisphere. I am familiar, but I've never owned it. Yeah. Uh, made by a company called Spectrosonics, the sequel to tool plugin called Atmosphere. And uh, I had Atmosphere and I had Omnisphere for a while ago and I used it a lot. And I became it's it's not it's not quite like Nexus, it's not like a preset engine. You, you can do a fair amount of your own sound design with it, but it does have a lot of presets, a right. lot of like really cool sounding presets. And I hear it, I hear Omnisphere used. Like constantly in t- in like daytime TV shows, really <laughs> like network television, and even like a- HBO stuff. Suddenly it'll just be like going along like orchestral score, and then suddenly like that preset. And like, it's like whoa, and and then here's the thing that killed me the most is that um like presets that like I've 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 used like naked presets in my songs before. Like, I've done that, but uh, when Starcraft Two came out, um the startup sound on the menu. For StarCraft, used like three different Omnisphere presets. <laughs> and like I, I recognized them. I was just like, come on, you're blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> this is StarCraft, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> God I, damn it. And like uh, So that, I, mi- that I, miffs you. It does it does miff me. And like I have to like keep telling myself all that crap I just told everybody about like the professional role works a little bit different. Than the personal music production world, right? Because not everything, not everybody can like like a, a super a sort of antithesis to sort of the standard way of doing things is what happens when, for example, uh, Noisia did the Devil May Cry soundtrack. Noisia and another a metal band I forget who they were, but essentially two like f- for Noisia and freaking like a, a really well known metal band. Did the soundtrack to Devil May Cry* and I, I, I don't know precisely what kind of like direction they had, but given the result, it looked like they had kind of free reign to do what they wanted, and they did some seriously killer work and like work at a quality that like I really don't ever see in like these kinds of in these kinds of like top, top level super productions, and the the real these kinds of guys are the exceptions when games or movies like actually go out to find somebody and just be like look we're getting you because we know that you're the best and we know that you're going to do something that no one else is ever going to do and we want you to do your thing and do it well so they're they're given the time the leeway the 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 latitude to just do what they want and actually have it done and be good versus literally every other project where they hire like the lowest bidder who could do it the fastest and not care at all what the product actually is you
0: know what though i think it'll take that product a little over the top It'll give them. I think it will give them the edge when they hire the best.
1: Oh, it totally does. Like, and and like, I probably wouldn't have cared about Double Macri game if it weren't for the fact that Noisy and the Metal Band were in there. Yeah, see that. Which I mean, we're talking about the the producer demographic again, which again is like super is like hundreds of times smaller than like the general gamer demographic. But um, it also just like, but uh, uh, actually, it's kind of that's kind of a double edged sword there because. I don't know, like I don't know anything about like you know the kind of deal that they had or like how much they were paid or whatever, but um, you can think about like the really big kind of like movie score people, like the John Williams and the Hans Zimmer's and that kind of those 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 sort of people. Like they're obviously mean, they command like serious you know amount of money, and but they also do like serious work, and they do it. It's all them all the time, and on the other hand. You could look at a game like Devil May Cry and you can see people like, you know, oh, they use like a really big, big kind of like sound design that did a lot of work and and they use like a, a well-known name for this specific kind of work. And I'm sure some shareholders somewhere had some guy crush the numbers and say that whatever they invested to do that did not actually like net them more than if they just had some guy do something. I guess so. And that's why the industry predominantly just gets some guy to do something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a shame. It's a shame because it kind of devalues the whole craft. But, and you know what, honestly, from what I understand, Williams and Zimmer actually don't write their own stuff these days. They have a bunch of writers under them. They might approve it and arrange it or whatever. Oh, yeah. But
1: Like yeah. the top level, top level um, composers have like a whole teams of like arrangers. So it's like, they write, they write the score, they write the themes and then like the arrangers go and make it fit to stuff. Ah. Every once in a while they'll get, they'll be a little bit more hands on than they, they might be otherwise. Like uh, w- actually one of the, one of the cooler cooler things I've seen was the um, uh, making of for Han- Hans Zimmer on Man of Steel, and the kind of like recordings and things he did on that on that movie were pretty cool. But again like that's still like teams of teams of people.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And they just demand the, the amount of money that must have been put into that. Just sort of blows the mind. And uh, it's still there's still just that little bit of butthurt I have where I hear something and like I I hear like some movie just be like oh we paid like this ten thousand dollar an hour mastering engineer and like we got this incredible composer and paid in millions of dollars and all these things and like the product is something that like I could have done by myself right and. Not even like me now, where I have like decade plus of experience and and ridiculous knowledge, and spend all my time being heard about it. Like even back when I was in high school, I would hear stuff and just be like, "I just could." If I had East West stuff, I could just do this. This isn't hard. Like and and I'm not hearing. I used to, uh, and I know newer producers do this too. They they assume they assume that if they're not hearing a result like of a difference in like oh here's here's a song mastered by a nobody and here's a song mastered by said $10,000 an hour mastering engineer and you don't hear like the difference you don't hear like oh, where's the $10,000 going that um, you start to think okay well that's just because I can't hear it that's because like I don't have the necessary expertise to be able to distinguish like true professional work and that kind of thing and that's just not the case it's Uh, it's not the case.
0: You're you're not, you don't think
1: it is. No, I really don't like there's a little, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's definitely some complexity when it comes to like specifically movies, especially when they're doing like surround sound mixing. Right. That's, that's a whole other level of just stupid, but it's not that far away from regular stuff that I think 10 grand an hour is in any way worthwhile for anything. (laughs) Like, uh, and this this is something else that I realized over time is that like, if, um, if someone's like, it, 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 this is like, you know, good advice for like when you're looking up like a new plugin or something or whatever, and, and these people are like thinly veiled snake oil salesmen, and they're trying to push some like new technology or some better algorithms or whatever that make everything sound better. And like, you just can't hear it. Like, you're not seeing it. Like, the, you, you, maybe they have comparisons or maybe you do comparisons and you're not seeing a difference. It's not because there is. You just can't tell. It's because there isn't. <laughs> Like if you're not able because think about it if like if you who are like a producer, which automatically makes you far more qualified to think about this stuff than your average music listener, if you're unable to determine a difference, what makes you think music listeners will
0: right well like who, it, who's hearing it then the people who are hiring them or what
1: that's a that is a fantastic question
0: It's <laughs> like an, it's an interesting business it's it's a lot of who you know or who likes you. it's I don't know. The, the, the best yeah, it, music does not rise to the top. Let's put it that way.
1: Oh yeah, that's always, that's always been true, and like that's true that's true for literally every industry. Like people on the top are not on the top because they're the best at doing it. Right. Like that's that's just that, and I'm sure there's plenty of research in, of of marketing out there that's just like just saying how expensive these things are and how much work and how ludicrous and over the top things are probably increases the perceived value of whatever the product is to people who don't get that it's not actually that impressive. Right. Right. And that's you know, but and that's all well and good. But it's important that newer producers don't also get caught up in that, that because then like they don't get caught up in just being like, okay, well, I have to have, I have to have like a billion dollars worth of like hardware to be able to make something that's quote unquote pro, right? Because that, these guys do.
0: I know. Well, I mean, even a lot of these guys are mixing in the box now. The pros like Andrew Sheps, um, Bobby Osinski. Uh He wrote the Mixing Engineer's Handbook. It's like. I'm telling you, um, it's definitely not your hardware these days. You cannot even come close to saying that that's the case. And these dolls that we have now, I don't care which one you buy. They are all amazing compared to 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Sonar, Fruity Loops, Sony Acid even. You know what I mean? Like these things are a studio in a friggin' laptop. So (laughs) it's definitely not the tools these days. And it's definitely not your sounds. I mean, a lot of these dolls come with such good sense built in. That you could, pre- you should be able to. Mi- I always said this: if anybody can't make a full album with Cubase elements out of the box, it's not the software that's the problem. I mean, that's like the low version, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean that that kind of used to be, and that that's a that's a lot of people's a lot of people's sort of hang up, is that they have this sort of gear acquisition like fever, where they're thinking like, okay, I, I'll get this next thing, and that'll be the thing that makes me better at doing music and that kind of right, stuff. Right. And like it's not going to say that some some kinds of music are sort of true about that. Like, you're going to have a hard time doing metal if you don't have a guitar. But um, I, I, I used to have, like, it used to be difficult for me to, like, make a song using only FL elements. And that was just because I didn't really know what I was doing back then. Like, I didn't have the kind of command of synthesis that I do now right. that allows me to do anything with anything.
0: Sure, so when you ran out of the presets, you felt like you
1: needed another synth. Yep, and just more you know, packs and presets and samples and sample libraries, sound fonts, and that those those kinds of things. And they, it's. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say don't do that because again, sort of whatever you need to do to do the music you want. But like, it's really important that producers don't get it in their head, their head that, that they have to do that. Right. That that that's like required. Right.
0: I, I do it because it's fun. I'll buy a new synth because it's I want something new just for fun.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I have I have analog synth hardware. Like I have a modular rig and whatever and I that's a that's a cool deal. But like if it weren't for the fact that like I make enough money that I can just comfortably get something like this, I would never. Right. I, I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be like I need analog gear.
0: You can talk yourself into it though
1: pretty easily. Oh yeah, totally. It's super easy to just just be like I'll be I'll be better if I have if I have this thing. Right, right. I, I need a virus. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some people like something about some part of some having particular hardware, like ignited something in them that made them better at what they right, do. But right. that that still is still not just like a general requirement for producing music. It's not like you need. I mean, I, once upon a time, I had I had a student who was like, "Oh, how do you, how do we make like they have a series of sounds that are all on this one Nero track?" It was it was the Nero track um promises, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. And um, I think I mentioned this before, but like the idea that like every song, every sound in that song is a super saw or in some way saw based and not like cleverly saw based where like it has saw harmonics, but it's actually doing something wildly different. No, no, no. Every sound in that song is a super saw in one <laughs> like, way or
0: another. Like, obviously.
1: Obviously, obviously enough, but like it's also a good song. It's also right. like. Ver- it's it's interesting it's varied and it does it's arranged well and the music is all pretty good and so it doesn't matter that the sound design isn't deep That's not like acrylics or killing noise level whatever like it's still fucking promises by Nero <laughs> and it's just like it was sound after silence is being okay so first we make a song it's like really again it's like yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding when I say that super sounds for 70% of all sound design
0: really well we gotta talk more about super songs then okay might be a topic for next show. Yeah, it could work. Anything anything else you wanted to say to the people here about presets and that whole topic?
1: Well, I'll leave you with some, some sound bites, which are things, stuff that's saying like, what whatever you need to do to make the music you want to make is how you make that music. That's, oh boy. Although, uh, this, this sort of thing is actually why bigger producers... Almost never talk about how they make what they make, and it's less because of like the hate for presets. But even if they don't use presets, they're they really don't want to show what they do, especially if it's simple. <laughs> they don't want to because then what happened to Carnage will happen to them.
0: What happened to Carnage?
1: Oh, it's Carnage! So do you, do you actually not know what happened to Carnage?
0: I actually don't.
1: Oh my god! I, All right, I so. talk
0: a lot about electronic music. I don't. I actually I need to listen to more.
1: Well, this isn't really about the music itself. This is about a um a tutorial video that was made that was done with uh DJ Carnage, who's a big big sort of trap DJ. Yeah. And uh Razor, the computer
0: Native company. Instrument. Oh oh. Oh Razor, gotcha.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. And uh yeah. the guy mouse mouse and keyboard people. They um so they 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 to promote um, their laptop, the Razer Blade, they did a bunch of tutorials with a bunch of producers, like people like Spore and uh, Varian, like doing tutorials about like using FL Studio on the Razer. Okay, it's a whole big campaign, and it's all super cool. But um, Carnage did a video, and it went viral for like how bad it was, <laughs> because Carnage very plainly didn't really know what he was doing. And would do things that people would thought was idiotic, and it was just all it was all sorts of bad and terrible. The thing is, though, and like I saw this video, and it was funny. You know, it's silly to watch someone you know not really know what they're doing, but everyone everyone got in his case, being like, "Oh, he's he's ghost produced," and like I don't even really care if he is ghost produced. And like a lot about what Carnage did, like ensuingly, like getting all up, 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 about piracy and like picking a fight with Leonard Digital, like he did. <laughs> He did like, it was kind of funny, but like all of these things are all problems that are, that I recognize are being problems, but like the reasons for that people were deciding that he was being ghost producer, not a good producer or that not worth making music, whatever, were all just the worst because while he was demonstrating that he didn't really know what he was doing, I went and found his music and it's a bit difficult to find one that was actually originally fully his because he has a lot of like collabs with people. But, um, I am, I, having heard his music, I absolutely fully believe that like the level of skill and understanding he showed about how to actually produce music made that song, like made that music. (laughs) And I mean, it's not music I like, but it's also music that's not, that's so uncomplicated and so not deep that you don't need to know what you're doing to make it. (laughs) So it it, it
0: proved to you, His, (laughs) his, his tutorial proved to you that he actually isn't a ghostwriter.
1: Like I, I don't think I mean actually he probably was ghost produced for certain things, but like I actually don't I don't think that that he couldn't have <laughs> is the thing. Like, <laughs> I see. and he if you ever if you watched a video, like it's it is really comical, like how much he doesn't know. Really? But the thing yeah. is, is that much like you said about how good Daws are these days, and how technology has moved across, you don't need to be that good. Right. You don't need to be a freaking scientist to be able to make this stuff. Hmm. And like it's not and, the, and so like, but people still, you know, primarily producers because they're watching this tutorial and it was kind of a bad tutorial, but the, um, they were getting on his case about that. And they, are because they're producers, they're all just being like, oh, he doesn't make music. This is bad. And, you know, it needs to be like, he's doing all the quote unquote wrong things. And like, I'm here to tell you, if it makes what you want to make, there's no such thing as a wrong thing. Right. Not a single thing. Nothing anyone anywhere has ever told you about like the right way to make music matters at all if it doesn't get you where you want to go. Hmm. That's all there's ever been to that. In fact, all the people that did the things that created these standards that people cling to so tightly, none of them have followed standards when they did it in the first place. <laughs> That's like, uh, and this is why bigger producers don't talk about this stuff because if, it, you know, they imagine Skrillex, like imagine they like, talking about like some huge sound or whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, so I just like took this sine wave and then I like distorted it with a big peak. And that's what the sound is. And people are just like, that's bullshit. It's that too easy. Like they, they expect like, oh, it was it was layered a hundred times and 40 hours later, like this is this perfect sound. And like they put they put people so far up on a pedestal that when it turns out, no, they're actually just doing regular crap like you are, they, they're, they don't, they can't take that. Right. Right. (laughs) And, but if people understood more that, like, you don't need to, it's all ties into this big, big lesson that like effort, like how hard something is only matters to you. Like you as a very personal, super duper, specific opinion to yourself. It's, like, it, if no one can tell how hard something was just by listening to it, then, like, that doesn't matter to them. It's never going to matter to them. It might be interesting to them. Like, it's cool to know that Pixar m- manually animates everything. But if they never said that, I would never have known or cared. Right. Right. <sighs> yeah. Well, that Credit. being
0: said, that's a great way to end off this show. You definitely made your point, And I think it's awesomely valid. And I'm really glad you brought it to the show because it might. Like I said, people might freaking start to relax now, and just make music.
1: So that, that is an that is an optimistic view.
0: <laughs> well, maybe if only one person does, it's worth it. There you go. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Seamless. Tell people where they could you know find out about all the stuff you're doing and what your channels and
1: stuff. You can find me at uh, YouTube.com/slash Seamless R. That's the word Seamless and in the letter R. It's uh, everything that's ever been me is up on YouTube. Uh, various other locations like SoundCloud and Facebook are also slash seamless R, except for Facebook, which is slash Official Seamless because I can't change my name.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thanks for the wealth of information. And I, what I'm considering this is a lesson. You taught us a lesson today. And uh, I think people are going to get a lot out of it. I'm Steve Cherubino from EDMR. Make sure you head on over there and listen to all the other shows we got going on there. We're giving away tons of free plugins. I'm actually going to give some to Seamless here at the end of the show. But anybody Ooh. who wants to uh, be entered in our contest, you got to head on over there and sign up for the hot lists. It's crazy how much crap we're giving away. Anyway, that's going to be it for the sound design show for today. See you next time.
1: Bye. <laughs>